We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Myself in the same category as Dwayne. Now Artest is jumped over the scorers table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, January 14th. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. James, we took last week off. Uh, a lot going on uh, after the new year, both in the NBA with some projects and even more so with baseball as you guys kind of work toward the Rotowire 2020 MLB magazine deadline. You showed me the cover. Is this the official cover yeah. that was sent to me today? We have Ronald Acuna looking very cool on the cover. Uh, we've had some good ones in the recent past, but uh, in terms of the... We haven't had any that I've loved in the yeah, recent well, past, but this one is probably my favorite since i've started working here yeah i think there have been some objectively like good looking covers i don't know if they've checked all the boxes of both you know well designed and cool and this photo of acuna with with as i pointed out to you his massive gold chain just kind of dangling in midair uh, mid, on the mid shot bounce. is perfect mid yeah bounce. yeah he's got the, the at least two buttons possibly more uh undone at the top um so looking forward to that and you know congrats to you and clay and the rest of the mlb team on getting that pretty much finished up but um I do want to talk about the NBA on the Roadwire NBA podcast. Um, you want to start with Kuzma? Sure. Why not? Um, so the Kuz had one of his best games of the season, uh, as the Lakers have been without Anthony Davis these last three games. LeBron also missed a game in that span in OKC um, on Saturday. We'll, we'll talk about the Thunder in a little bit, but Kuzma went for 36-7 and seven in that game in 40 minutes. Um, really hasn't had a lot of games this year where he's played more than – 25 26 minutes a lot of games where he's been capped even lower than that um and i think that game 
you know, at least maybe on a, on more of a national perspective, kind of threw his name back into the mix. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily even as a trade target, but just as the potential third guy, you know, question mark for this Lakers team. And, you know, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I think some of the deals that are out there as a, you know, potential Kuzma for player X swap have been a little bit lofty. Uh, I think it's it's extremely subjective, I think, team to team as far as what Kuzma's value is. But I think you and I are on the same page in that he's probably pretty overrated in the in the general consensus. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's especially overrated on a team like the Lakers where he might not even be in a lot of their best five-man units in a in a playoff series just because of his shortcomings defensively and he you know was supposed to be this really good shooter like at least that's what sort of the path to him being a really good player was uh but that still hasn't really materialized so um you know I think that he is probably still technically their their best asset if they wanted to get someone in a trade but he's not the type of asset where if I'm a, another team with a with a good asset or with a with a good win now piece where I'm just like oh yeah well if we can get Kuzma then yeah sure we'll do that I mean I think he's the type of guy where you know if he headlined a Marvin Williams trade or something like that <laughs> I think that that would make sense for both sides but when we start to get into actual like big time third or fourth best player on a title team type player is that just that's sort of where it starts to fall a little flat. I, I like I said I think we're both a little bit lower on Kuzma I, I would not do a Kuzma for Marvin Williams trade I, I think you can do better than that um, but like you said once you look at the numbers I mean he has this reputation of I, I think people think of Kuzma as like a 38% three-point shooter you know knock down catch and shoot guy from the corner he's at 34% from three this year he was at 30% last season um, and granted there's a lot going on in in that year but he really hasn't shown over an extended period of time that he is a reliable three-point shooter and if you're going to be average at best on the defensive end um, and you're going to play in a LeBron James system as you know, kind of the quote-unquote number three guy, I think you have to be 36, 37, 38% from three if you're going to be in that role. And you know, I don't know that Marvin Williams is the guy to necessarily step in. I, I think you know, Bogdanovich for Sacramento was kind of the rumor last year. I think that would be no, he's last just week. way, way better. Right, like, yeah, I think that would close. be the, the unrealistic ideal scenario. I, I think Sacramento— Marvin Williams shooting 39% from three. I mean, you just you can't give up. I, I understand that maybe for this season, there are certain lineups in certain situations where Marvin Williams is probably a better fit than Kuzma. Every but, situation, but you can't give up. You can't give up your lone remaining asset. You've given up know, everything just, else. But that's you can't like, cash it in to for me, Marvin that's Williams. That's a fair trade to me. Like that's how low I am on Kuzma. Whereas like when we start getting into these like Robert Covington and like Bogdanovich to me is absolutely laughable. Like I think yeah. Bogdanovich is like a five times better player. Uh, Markkinen is even laughable because. The best possible version of Kuzma is basically Markkinen, right. and Markkinen would have more value if they wanted to flip him again to another team. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the the names that are getting thrown out there are just so far above what I think Kuzma should be worth, and then it just becomes incredibly tough to build these trades in the first place because of all the Lakers' uh, tiny salaries. Like right. you, you end up making it like a four for one just to get enough salary to get one of these. Uh, rumored guys that are on like a $12 million a year deal. And then at that point, it's like, well, would you rather have uh, this marginal upgrade over Kyle Kuzma or Kyle Kuzma and Avery Bradley and right. like whoever else? So it's just... Well, it would uh, probably mean parting with KCP, who has actually been really good for them. And like you said, even though even if you don't love KCP, you don't love Avery Bradley, um, JaVale McGee, you know, is a name that money-wise could be in there. Like, 
like it or not, those guys are still contributing. And, yeah, and, and like you said, you're bringing, you're maybe bringing back other players to even out the deal, but you know, you're basically talking minimum end of the bench guys who probably aren't ready to contribute. Like a lot of the guys that I think it would be reasonable to say, like, hey, we'll give you this guy for Kuzma, are only marginally better than KCP. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to shoot high at least. I think Bogdanovich is out of the question. That was ridiculous from the start. Maybe that's a move that like the 2011 Kings would sure. make. Uh, I, I, I'd like to give them a little more credit than that at this point. I think especially, you know, his contract situation makes things a little more unique in that if Sacramento doesn't want to pay him, there is an argument that you should trade him. If you if you're really high on Kuzma, the asset, you know, like I, I guess I get that, but you can't give him to, you know, a conference contender a a rival you know, i guess in your own state and, and just kind of hand him to a team and set the lakers up to basically bail them out because that situation where they could re-sign him as a restricted free agent is you know one of the very few things that they can kind of do to improve on the fly given how all in they went on davis with all these you know the lack of draft picks and you know at some point the clock is ticking on a kuzma deal based on when he has to be paid i, I just don't think if you're sacramento you want to hand the lakers just you know such an ideal deal no, that's for, not for their a, franchise that's not even worth talking about yeah like, well i don't I, think the marketing one is I think, much more realistic i think like if this was not the lakers and he was not their only quote-unquote asset mm-hmm. nobody would be talking about this at all because he's just not that good it's just the fact that he's this guy on the lakers who went from being like a cool summer league story one year to now he's the only asset left on the lakers like that's the only thing that makes this relevant at all like i mean he's mm-hmm. just not very good well, I think, too, there's the fact that the Lakers are a contender. You know, if, if, if right. he's the third best player on, I don't know, Memphis or the Pacers, you know, there's just not that same urgency, I guess, with a lot of other franchises where, I mean, the Lakers are 33-7. and seven. How many other teams are sitting there at the halfway point with that record actively looking to upgrade? I mean, there was a, a story from, I think, Windhorst mentioned today that everyone except for Davis and, and LeBron is available. That's not often something you hear of from a team that's winning, you know, 83% of its game so far. Yeah, but they uh I mean they're they're pretty bad when LeBron's off the court. So yes, I are. mean it would make sense that they recognize that this is really just two players holding this up. Um and I buy that everyone's available, but I don't buy that anyone good enough is available to them that they would yeah. include Danny Green in a deal. Like I just don't I don't even think there's a player as good as Danny Green that's even available to them. Like I, I think Danny Green's a better fit for them than Robert Covington. Like who are these other players where you would want to trade Danny Green just to get? Yeah. Yeah, and I think the inclusion of Green would obviously be necessary salary wise if there is a you know a guy who's closer to 20 plus million a year and like you said I don't know who that is I don't I don't think I think part of the issue is there just aren't that many sellers no you know well, I, it's, I mean it's not a seller's market at not all. at all well I mean there are 14 teams in the west that are still very much in it for the eight seed and there are at least like 12 or 13 in the east that are kind of in that same discussion I, I think there are just not that many teams looking to move on and, and even the teams that are Golden State Cleveland New York Atlanta those teams don't have guys, you know, that that they're looking right. to swap for Danny Green. When, when you kind of go through like on the trade machine, I only clicked on like eight or nine teams as potential trade partners because it's like, well, they wouldn't. Why would they right. want to trade a established player for Kyle Kuzma? Why would like you know? There's mm-hmm. just there's not a ton of matches out there, and that's where you get this like Laurie Markkinen thing. Like that to me, that's just sort of. I don't know where Windhorse got that, but um, I mean, it's easy to make that one work in the 
trade machine because yeah. you only have to attach like one other contract, but it just doesn't make any sense at all from the bull standpoint. So uh, I think like 80% of what we hear regarding Kuzma and the Lakers is BS right now. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I don't see something big happening or at least not something where it's like, oh, wow, now the Lakers look out. Yeah. I, I think it's more likely that the Lakers, I think the most likely option is they keep Kuzma. Nothing happens. They just don't like any deals. But I think they would almost be more likely to accept a lesser deal than it is likely that they find one that I would actually feel good about. Sure. And I think they might be involved in like the buyout market and stuff like that. Right. But Even like, that's going to be fairly shallow. You know, I mean, yeah. does, does someone like Iguodala help them all that much? Well, I think he would. Uh, he would basically replace Rondo in yeah. those closing lineups, and I think he's certainly better than Rondo. Um, wow, I mean, the the Memphis Grizzlies situation is fascinating because I think they're one hundred percent right to like take this all the way down to the wire and refuse to do the buyout thing with mm-hmm. Iguodala. I mean, they they're under no obligation to do that and you know if one of these contending teams wants to get creative and find a way to make it work then that's great but there's just like why what, what's in it for them to to kind of appease him here and and let him out of this contract i mean it was a, it's a it's a really big number for a guy who yes. is a uh 16 game player or whatever mm-hmm. um so yeah and i think memphis is in a perfect spot right now like they don't they're gaining leverage of anything as they continue to win. They've won five straight. They're currently in the eight right now. You know, it's not like they're sitting in fifteenth and Iguodala is just like, come on. You know, like I think then you'd almost have this kind of I don't know if moral is the right word, but you know, like Iguodala, you, you can tell him right now, like, no, come play for us. We're playing for the playoffs right now. You know, we're not just gonna send you away for nothing to help a team that we're technically competing against right now. And I would say eventually that probably gets done in some form or fashion because, you know, Memphis isn't a real contender this year, but uh, they're a team that I had on this list that I wanted to talk about. I mean, beyond Iguodala, I think Jay Crowder is a name that, if they so choose, you know, could be available uh, as an expiring. Uh, I've heard D'Anthony Melton is a name that that some teams like. Um, well, Jay Crowder, you know, if Jay Crowder was having a good shooting year, I think he would be a interesting Kuzma yeah. guy. But like, I'm not sure that Kuzma's not better than Jay Crowder. And yeah, Jay Crowder didn't have much success last time he played with LeBron. Yeah, I think that would be the biggest thing. Where I, I think LeBron would would kind of put the kibosh on that. But I think there are teams that'll still look around. I mean, even I mean, Crowder's never really shot the ball all that well. I mean, he's kind of Kuzma like in that way. I mean, he's a career 33 percent shooter, and he's through. not he's not like the defender that he was no, four no, years no. ago. You know. He had that one year, 16-17 in Boston, he shot 39.8% from three. Every other year in his career, he's been under 34%. So it was really just a one-year blip, and he's, he's kind of been coasting on that. Um, I think I don't think they would ever, or not ever trade, but I don't think they're actively looking to trade Dylan Brooks. But, I mean, that's another guy, I think, for the for the right price they, you know, could you know, be available. I, I think he might just be part of their long-term plans, as, it sure as tough as that is for me and you I to know. accept. I, still, I never uh, will. <laughs> he... He might be decent, uh, which, which is five seven wingspan. It's tough. It's tough. Come hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this NBA season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in a respective sport. Choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. 
The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over $2,000 guaranteed daily in prizes for its NBA contests alone. Use promo code RW, that's just the letter R and the letter W, RW, when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant match of up to $25 on your first deposit. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Google Play Store by visiting thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. I think Memphis is going to become a really interesting team because um, I wrote about this for the site today, but it's basically been Jaron Jackson and John Morant spearheading all of this. You know, it's and I think to a lesser degree, Brandon Clark, you know, Valanciunas has played well. Like there's there's really nothing that they want to like slam the brakes on. This here. is this is what a successful rebuild looks yes. like when it's you know like we've seen sort of uh, quote unquote rebuilds that have never yep. really gotten past the like 28 32 win mark where uh like we've heard about the Knicks young core and like the what a core it is ascending suns and all that stuff like i mean this is actually one where it's like oh yeah i can totally see how two years three years down the road this is a team that's going to be making a ton of noise in the playoffs because john morant's so good yeah uh jaron jackson you know he's not the player this year that i sort of expected him to be but he's maybe just as good in just a very different way like the things he's like he's just really good at scoring and that's not exactly the type of player I thought he'd be in year two I thought he would maybe start maybe with more defense and then the the scoring would maybe come but uh you know for a player his age to be scoring in the ways that he he's able Mm -hmm. to is is really impressive and like Brandon Clark they nailed that pick obviously so um I mean that and John Morant's the type of guy where I think players will want to play with uh that's maybe not a market where you're typically going to draw guys in but i mean he's the type of guy that could be you know considered a top 10 or 12 player in the league at some point in the Mm -hmm. the not so distant future i think you're spot on about jackson um i I, like disappointing is not the right word he hasn't been bad he's just just, different the rebounding thing is weird you know for a guy to be 611 play a decent amount of center block as many shots as he does and then average under five rebounds a game it's just strange um i mean he I don't think unicorn is the right word for him, but you know you you hear a lot of these young bigs who are kind of unique being described as that, and he he really is one of the more unique of them all. I mean, one and a half blocks, one and a half assists. Like I said, the five rebounds is kind of an outlier in its own way. And then, I mean, on a lot of nights he can give you twenty points, you know, four or five threes. Um, you know, shoots it well from the line, shoots it well from the field. I there's really not a, a great comparison. I think for it, him. if if his jumper. Uh, looked like Laurie Markkinen's jumper I think we'd be talking about him as just one of the best young bigs to come along in a long time but it just it looks like a J that you'd see like at the Y you know but it goes in a lot and he's up to 42 percent from three and he and he can hit it off the dribble a little bit too I mean he he's (laughs) it forget how it looks I mean it it goes in yeah I I had a hard time buying into that last year I know he had that big game I think it was against the Lakers where he like banked in a step back three to Mm -hmm. to kind of win the game I was like this is just not sustainable (laughs) whatsoever but I mean he's shooting it if you go all the way back to like around Christmas time so that's like over the last 12 games he's taken over seven threes a game you know this isn't just a he has to be perfectly set up you know he has to be catch and shoot he has to walk into it like he's taking these in all kinds of situations is he basically kind of Chris Tapp's Porzingis is that kind of yeah. just what his game is I think he is I mean just just because he's not 7-4 the, the, the shot blocking isn't quite as elite but mm-hmm. he's not that far behind I mean I think he's like 0.7 blocks per game 
Um, and Porzingis, to his credit, has rebounded better. I mean, he was at 6.6 rebounds per game before the injury two seasons ago, and he's actually up to, to almost 9.5 this year. So, you know, yeah, I think if you're a Grizzlies fan, you kind of hope Jackson follows that progression. Well, and he's a very easy player to build around because the stuff he does do is the toughest stuff to find, you know, mm-hmm. like protecting the rim and shooting the three. That those are the two things everyone wants in their big man. The guys that do like what Jonas Valanciunas does, they're in much less high demand. So you can get those guys pretty easy and just get a a bruiser who's going to get a ton of rebounds, plug mm-hmm. him in next to Jackson, and it, it fits pretty well. So if you're Memphis, do you do you have any second thoughts about kind of hanging around for the eight? Because I I don't I don't fully believe in this kind of mini resurgence for San Antonio just yet. I mean, I, there are a lot of teams below them that you could make a case for, but I think. At, at the very least, they're going to be in the thick of it for mm-hmm. as long as they want to be. Their top or their pick is top seven protected, uh, so that's kind of something to consider. Um, I, I think maybe, you know, ideally you'd, you'd like to get a top three pick, but I think in this draft, you know, given how it's shaping up, I, I think you're, if you're the Grizzlies, you're probably more okay with maybe getting the 11th pick, even if it means that you just miss the playoffs by a game or two. Like, I don't see them so if it's calling top, out the dogs. Is it, the Celtics get it if it's top six, right? um no they get it if it's outside of the top six. Oh, okay um so they only keep it if, memphis only keeps it if it's one through six <laughs> but it's unprotected next year so i think party like maybe you're okay with just giving up the 11th pick and then not having to worry about it being unprotected right. next year even though in theory you're better next year yeah i mean i i think uh i think they should just sort of continue the course without really worrying about the pick and without worrying about making the playoffs and just sort of see what happens like they they shouldn't do any sort of win now trades and they shouldn't uh be afraid to trade veterans if it improves their Mm long-term uh outlook but i I mean i don't think it would be bad at all if if you get john morant and jaron jackson some playoff uh you know i mean they they would obviously get beat down pretty hard against uh one seed Lakers most likely but that's still something that those guys can kind of take into the offseason and Mm -hmm. realize that hey yeah like my my defense was terrible so that's something I got to work on if we want to get to the to where we want to go as a team but um I mean that pick protection situation it seems like they can't possibly be bad enough right from this point on to get into the top six without a ton of luck in the lottery and at that point it's basically just pretty much out the door yeah. anyway and i think based on where we are right now you don't feel bad about giving up a late lottery pick in, in this, this draft, draft especially yeah right yeah. um last thing on memphis what what do you think their their kind of final move is you know assuming you have morant and jackson locked in as your one and two you know, they, they have a decent cast of you know okay role players who you know three or four of those guys you could kind of see you know being on this team for the next few years but I, I don't know if they're ever going to be bad enough again, barring an injury, to add that third piece via the draft. And even if they are, that's always risky. They're never really a free agency destination. Like, are these two enough to kind of change that? So I think they have enough cap space this offseason uh, to make a really aggressive restricted free agent offer on Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. And I think he would be a really good player to pair with Morant. Uh, you know, the defense between those two you know it's not gonna be great but um just the fact that Bogdanovich is such a good uh catch and shoot shooter and so good at creating offense uh whenever Morant's off the floor I think that that would be 
a a nice big swing to try to get a third piece in there um if that doesn't work out then i mean you don't have to just sign guys just to sign guys but um yeah i think i think morant is good enough that i would just try to not do anything really stupid you know like just let them continue to get better at their current pace without giving out any solomon hill type of contracts and then uh just sort of see what happens um you know they've that was a really good pick on brandon clark maybe they get another type of guy like that in the middle of the first round in a year or two so i just would stay the course because if if morant kind of keeps going on this pace uh he might get good enough to be like best player on a conference finals Mm -hmm. team well i think i think you're taking a guy at two that's the ultimate hope right i mean that he is at, at worst your second best player when you're when you're truly contending I, I think i think you said it right that they have to avoid the solomon hill type of perils that we've seen other teams the mozgov deals you know that teams that are that think that's kind of the final piece to to really jump them up towards towards true contention i i do wonder you know if you could get like gordon hayward's up again next year if you could get him at a reasonable number i wouldn't hate that um Try to think who else. Like, I mean, you don't want to pay too much, and I think some team will overpay for him. But like Montrezl Harrell would be interesting. Um, but I, I think they still need one more playmaker type, and I, I think Hayward in Memphis is just a really weird fit. But if you can get that guy at like you know three for ninety or something like that, you know, kind of like the Paul Millsap Denver deal, something like that, mm-hmm. just to kind of bridge the gap as you hopefully add one more guy over that next three or four years. Um, I, I kind of like that idea at least on paper. Yeah, I mean they they have a unique opportunity this summer just because like the teams that have cap space along with them like they look like by far the best basketball situation of those teams so you know for whichever these players actually value going to a situation like that i think you probably have the upper hand hand and just you know don't get carried away what about Uh, andre drummond gross no that would be that would be a mistake (laughs) he is available he will be very available. He was recently benched for not trying. Uh, yeah, that. Well, I want to talk about the Pistons in a second. Um, but Michael Porter Jr., yeah, another guy a, that I think you and I are the same. Though. Yeah, it's a good the, teaser on the Pistons. So mm-hmm. stay tuned. There's Pistons talk coming up. <laughs> yeah, do not walk away. First, we're going to talk about the 11th man for the Nuggets. Uh, the, the Kyle Kuzma of the Denver Nuggets, in, in a lot of ways. 13 assists in 326 minutes. Uh, the per 36 scoring numbers are really good. He's been a good rebounder. He's been a better shot blocker. I think that I expected per 36, 19 and a half points, nine and a half rebounds, 1.3 blocks. I just don't, I don't understand the, I wouldn't say the hype, but just the, the, the need, I guess, of NBA Twitter for this guy to play 35 minutes a night for a team that is second in the West right now. He's still a great asset. I wouldn't call him untouchable. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hype on him and I'm, I'm pissed at uh, Bill Simmons for stealing my Rudy Boubois comp on him, but, um, that like that's sort of what it is to me is like it's just this guy's untouchable but yet he's not even come close to proven he's a good winning nba player and you're a team that theoretically wants to get to the finals like Mm -hmm. he's the type of player i'd love to cash out if i was them if i could get like a a big time ideal that's this is why you took it yeah yeah uh this i mean who know what who knows what the end game is with this nuggets core but I mean, do they just want to be this team that for six years always won around 50 games and never really made much noise at all in the playoffs? Like, is that what they're it, cool with being? Because it's uh, tough. I mean, it's 
this reminds me back of my in my like middle school high school nba 2k days where you know i would i would at the beginning of every season i would uh, on like day one when you could trade anything with a computer basically i would trade my first round pick for a team that sucked first round pick and because everybody's zero and zero they would just do it um and then you get a guy who you know you already had a pretty good team but you get a guy you're like man i just i want to see out this guy's career you know it's, it kind of becomes like your pet project and i feel like Denver has that with Michael Porter and there's a very good chance that he becomes a great scorer and a guy who's going to be a really good NBA player but I mean you're 27 and 12 in a year where there's not a Golden State Warriors at the top of the league I understand that there's not you know Carl Anthony Towns isn't begging for a trade or anything like that but he's the type of piece that in terms of how teams seem to value him you could land yourself a easily an all-star caliber player with him as kind of the swing piece in a trade yeah and I'm sorry but you're just not you're not going to win the finals with Porter and Jokic as your front court defensively. You're just not like, that's just, well, the way be, things are going, what is he going to play 18 yeah. minutes off the bench? In yeah. But like, like, let's just say like, that's their new, like for the people that are super high on Michael Porter jr. They would say, well, once next year with Porter Murray and Jokic, like, but if it's, if that's your core and like Porter has to play the four, Jokic has to play the five, like that's just going to be a disaster in the playoffs. Teams are going to mm-hmm. score against that at will. And Murray isn't good enough. Like that, I think that's sort of the thing that is going to end up holding this team back when it's all said and done. It's just that Jamal Murray needs to be about twenty percent better offensively for them to actually be mm-hmm. like a real you know team that could win the finals. And he's just he hasn't gotten there. And um, you know maybe if he was like Donovan Mitchell or, or like a player of that caliber. Um, Maybe this would be a team that could could win a finals, but I just I think he's a little shy mm-hmm. of what they need. And Jokic is such a complicated player to build around. Like your offensive hub, on who's your center, but is also not a great defender. It's just it's really it's weird. And I just kind of think it's going to mm-hmm. be like, oh, remember that that fun Nuggets team from yeah. you know, back in the day. So the Nuggets have perhaps more tradable assets than just about any other team, or at least like potential deals you could build around multiple players. I think kind of the most obvious one is you start with the Millsap contract. It's expiring. It's a huge number. You know, and if you're theoretically trading for a star who's on a big contract, that's kind of what you need. I mean, you could do Millsap, Porter, plus, you know, Torrey Craig, um, Monte Morris, you know, any of those guys, really. Uh, even Jeremy Grant, you know, Malik Beasley. Like, they have plenty of guys you can attach and feel okay about. I guess the question is, like, who who could you possibly shake loose? You know, I think there are probably a, a several teams that are thinking about this. But I think, like, the... The dream deal for me, and I, I don't think this is reasonable whatsoever, would be like, could you do Murray and Michael Porter for Damian Lillard? <laughs> uh, man, that would be awesome. Um, It'd be fun for both teams. I mean, it would, would kind of suck for Portland, but it would I be don't a think, lot of fun for the league. I don't think the Blazers would do it I just because so. of how much Dame means to like the franchise. And it's just, you're you're not going anywhere right now, but you're not really going anywhere if you yeah. make that trade either. So why yep. would you do that? But um I think you'd you'd first ask for more if you're Portland, and, and at the end of the day, I don't know if attaching Monte Morris and a first round pick would even matter. Yeah, because you're just you're basically signing up to be hopefully a mid forties win team, which you probably think mm-hmm. to yourself you already are next year once you get Nurkic back. Like so, um, let me let me try to sell you on one more. Same deal, but for Ben Simmons, <laughs> I think that helps um, both teams. Yeah, that one's interesting for sure. Um, I mean, Ben Simmons is the funnest guy to talk about in trades because it's like 
he's about as good as you can be while also clearly not fitting on his current team with NBA championship hopes. So it's he's just a fun guy to include in all these. Um, that that could be fascinating. I mean, it would just be really interesting to see how Simmons and Jokic would play together because right. they're both such good passers. And Jokic, you know, him being able to shoot, that probably, you know, they would be able to build some lineups where Simmons is the only non-shooter. Uh, which is which is important with him, um, you know. When you include Murray, then that's when you can start to talk about these big names without yeah, including right. Murray. You know, Brad Beal getting that extension really, really stinks for this. But you know, maybe they could revisit that once mm. he's eligible to be traded again. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that I think would would really fit well there. Uh, I don't think just turning. I mean, is there any way they could get? Drew Holiday without including Murray, and is there any incentive for the Pelicans to do that? I mean, probably not. So, um, no, I mean, you get younger, I guess, with Murray. I, I don't think that would be insane. I just, I, at the end of the day, with I mean, Drew Holiday hasn't looked that good this year. I don't know if I think Denver would be hesitant with how high they are on Porter to he, throw him into a deal where you're you're upgrading, but not by like Holiday is awesome. He's just not the type of player that the Nuggets need. They need like Dame Lillard is the type of player they need. Like that, right? Well, I think Holiday pushes you from like second round to third round in the West, whereas Dame like makes you a legitimate title contender. Yeah, they need a guy that can get his own shot in huge spots. And right, I mean, I love Drew Holiday, but like that's not necessarily his mo. I mean, you're worried, worried about defense with Jokic. What about cashing that in for, like, a Miles Turner? You know, a uh, bit of a lesser player. Cashing who in? Porter, oh, whoever. Oh, cashing Porter in. Um, yeah. I think, you know, could you do, like, Porter and the Millsap expiring for Miles Turner? Could you play those two together? I think you play. I mean, they play. if you can play Turner and Sabonis, you can play Turner and Jokic. That'd be, that'd actually be pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. Well, yeah, that, that one like, I kind of like. I mean, I I, just, it would be... It would totally work on offense. Uh, defensively, it's like who is, you know, what happens when they run up against a team um, like the Clippers, and the Clippers are going small. Like who do who do those right, two got, guys guard? You, you got Harold, Kawhi, and PG. Up, <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I mean, you'd be kind of going the opposite way. Um, but I mean, it'll, I mean, sometimes that's kind of what Denver. It's like it's Paul Millsap, all that much more mobile. <laughs> Millsap's a pretty good defender. I mean, what, yeah, I mean, what happens old. when that team plays the Rockets? And Oof. it's like, uh, okay, um, <laughs> Jokic, I guess you guard Capella, Charter, Turner, Turner yeah. you guard PJ Tucker, Daniel House. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's no perfect deal, and that's I think part of the reason that it'll probably end up being a fairly quiet trade deadline. But um, I mean, if you're if you're Denver, you always want to be in that position where you at least have the the option or the assets to make those kind of deals. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com credit card.
The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. All right. As promised, Piston Stock. Piston Stock. What, the question I wrote down is, are they now the consensus, there's no other option, worst GM job in the league if you took the job today? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I think even think that, it's close. I think that's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, then I think the Hornets had a had a case coming into the coming year. In, they did. They they don't really anymore. There were a few other teams. I mean, I remember thinking like Indiana even was kind of iffy with, with like the injuries and whatnot. But they're nowhere near. Yeah, that's a really good. Situation. Well, it's good now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they've had a lot of guys emerge and whatnot. But I mean, the Knicks is never great. But at least you have more flexibility. Like Detroit, you're you're probably losing Drummond for nothing. I don't even know if you want him back. You know, Blake, you owe like seven or closer to $80 million over the next two years. One of those is a player option. Um, you have basically no great young assets. Yeah, like I like Luke Kennard. I like Dembuya based on the last like six games. But nobody who nobody who you can just kind of hand it off and say, like, at least we have John Morant to, you know, go and win 18 games and keep people engaged. Like they have, they have nobody close to that level. Congrats to the Pistons for being the last team to realize that Blake Griffin's contract was bad and being the last team to realize that Andre Drummond wasn't a massive value on his contract because that seems to be what happened. I mean, the the Clippers, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they, they are so lucky that Stan Van Gundy was still running the ship uh, in Detroit when he was. And, like, I mean, he, what, he got fired like three months later or whatever. But, um, like, if they were not able to do what they did with that Blake Griffin contract, I mean, I don't know if there was another team that would have bailed them out there i don't think so and the just nothing none of this stuff that's happening with the clippers is is possible and so they they dodged a huge bullet there with drummond i mean he just never seemed like the type of guy that was worth that extension i think they did it just to you know keep uh some continuity and everything some but. extreme like 2009 bucks energy yeah the, coming like, out of detroit this was and this was when even it seemed like the dumbest teams in the league had sort of realized where the center position was going, except for them. And you know, he's just the type of center you can't give that type of money to because he's not a great defender and he can't shoot. So they yeah, to answer your question, worst situation yes. by far. Uh I mean, feel bad for Pistons fans. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they are far and few between these days. There's really no way out of it. I just don't I mean, the, maybe they'll fall back more, and they're they're really only five and a half games out of the bottom spot in the East. So I mean, there's a good chance they're they're going to end up with a well, top. How five low pick, can they? How low can they? Yeah. So top five pick. I mean, th- that's well, a, that's an underrated uh, part of why this has become so bad is that they just have not had many high picks at all. Right. But they also haven't been good at all. So like it's, again, they have two thousand bucks. Right. Like so they, um, you know, you had Darko. And then I think you you have to go all the way back to like Grant Hill, uh, like Stanley Johnson, I guess. Like those are like their highest picks. Oh, okay. Like yeah. like the, I mean they they just have not been picking very high at all. So like there's just nothing to really show for how yeah. mediocre they've been. I think there's a <clears throat> pretty strong case to be made that Griffin getting hurt is the best thing that's happened to their season. Sure. Yeah. Of because course. they were definitely on pace for the eight seed again, and and this is like that's in this draft. Picking 14th or 15th is like picking 25th, I think. Yeah, I love how their owner came out and was like, all right, we might we might be willing to listen on Drummond. <laughs> Everyone's like, all right. Huh. <sighs> I'm looking at their draft history right now. You're basically right. I mean, it's been since 07, you know, they picked 15th that year, got Rodney Stuckey, 
15th a couple years later, got Austin Day, 7th in 2010, Greg Monroe, 8th in 2011, Brandon Knight, 9th in 2012, Drummond, 8th in 2013, KCP, 8th in 2015, Stanley Johnson, and then the last three years, you know, 18th, 12th, didn't even have a first-round pick in, in 2018. So nothing higher than nothing higher seven. than seven uh, post-Darko. Correct. That's that's really like, yeah. Oh, even and, and that's you, post the Billups right Wallace run too. I mean, when they were actually good. And what you're saying is is fair. Like I mean, it is totally Herb Cole Bucks where you know try to get the eight seed every year. But you would still think like a couple times when you fell shy, like it might get you the five yep. pick or something, <laughs> or even just do what other teams like, like. I mean, I'm bragging on Milwaukee, but one of those picks that ended up right in the middle of the draft where you don't want to be was Giannis, right. you know, yeah. and Detroit traded out of the Donovan Mitchell pick. You know, the whole yeah. franchise is different if you just take Mitchell there yeah. and, you know, you, you probably wouldn't feel great about what's around him, but you'd at least have that. And, I mean, they are mired in a, a pretty bad spot here. If, if I mean, if they get the third pick and let's say they take Anthony Edwards and he looks great, that changes things on a dime, but that's a pretty huge if right now, I think, for me. Well, they will be probably back uh, – I mean, they'll be picking top five, we would hope, for the foreseeable future. So well, maybe the draft, maybe next year's draft is, is a little bit more promising and they can get someone good at like five or six. The silver line is Josh Smith off the books this summer. Oh, hey. Reggie Jackson finally off the books. I feel like he signed like a 10-year <laughs> hockey deal with them. They're the team that I could totally see. You know, we talked about like not overpaying for Harold or, or <laughs> Harold or Hayward or like DeMar DeRozan. Like they are, they are ready to make a run at one of those guys. Um. Do you want to discuss a little Chris Ball versus Russ? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you lead this off. I can tell you've been champing at the bit here. Well, I, I mean, it, it's uh, been long established that I am not the biggest Chris Paul fan. I uh, just don't like how much chirping he does, and I don't like his, like, drawing BS fouls in, like, the James Harden way doesn't really bother me that much. Drawing BS fouls over half court like by just stopping in a guy's way and falling over like that stuff yeah. i hate and, telling and, on uniform violations and he's he's the king of that stuff um but uh i absolutely loved his performance against the rockets it's everything that anyone would have wanted it to be and he's back he's back in my good books say, this that that random thursday just night game random, in january yes flipped it yep the, entire career the nutmeg the passion after the nutmeg mm-hmm. of just like this is my house <laughs> 18 points five assists that did it <laughs> i mean that's that's <laughs> what i needed i mean he got the he got the most important stat of the game he got the big dub against his former team and i mean that's that's exactly what you would want one of those guys to do in that game where it's just kind of like see like i'm i'm better i'm it was a mistake to get rid of me it was a mistake to trade me for this this guy who's shooting 23% from three uh, and a statement to Harden uh, specifically because Harden's the reason that he was ran out of town. So I uh, love that performance by CP. And I love the fact that he's really come to play this year where, you know, I mean, we've, we've seen plenty of NBA players in the past that, you know, if they had been put in this situation where it's like, well, I've got like 40 plus million coming to me for the next three years this team sucks we're not going anywhere like i'm just going to kind of mail it in and call it a career like a lot of people have done that uh but he's bringing it he's been way better than russ this year uh he's going to take his team to the playoffs and you know shouts to chris paul 
Something I never thought I'd hear you say, but I agree. I I mean, I shouldn't even say I agree. Like, the numbers just bear it out. I mean, it's pretty indefensible at this point. Um, I mean, Houston has four more wins than OKC. They're on a similar trajectory to last year just because they got off to such a bad start last season. Um, although I don't see them going on kind of the midseason run that they did last year. Uh, Russ is not playing in half of back-to-backs, <clears throat> which is an issue. Um, I, I, don't, I, I guess we kind of argued before the pod that that maybe helps Houston. Like this isn't load <laughs> management. This is like seed management yeah. by Houston to just hold him out of one half of these games. He's not playing tonight. Um, That's all that makes sense to me. It's like I just don't understand what like this is a completely made up thing that was never. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising if Russ had a bunch of physical stuff just because of how uh, much he played in in uh, search of those triple doubles uh, from the past few years, but. It's just it just kind of came out of the blue, like struggling older player all of a sudden needs to sit on back to backs, like for no reason at all other than load management. Like, what is that? That, that, Like, there's not even there's not even whispers of like, oh man, his knees just really been bugging him, like stuff like that. Like, what's going on here? Uh, Yeah, I'm looking back at our old updates on Westbrook from earlier this season. We're always so generous with these. Westbrook will catch breather Saturday. (laughs) Just catches his breath after playing so hard the night before. Um, Yeah, I mean, it it was something that kind of, because he just hasn't been that relevant this year, it was not that big of a deal. Even in a year where load management seems to be like triggering everybody everybody's just fine with Russ doing it like when it's Kawhi or LeBron sitting out do you have you have to be a good player for anyone to care (laughs) pretty much I mean it's the Bucks have been load managing Dragon Bender all year and nobody seems to care um but Russ Russ is down 23 percent or down to 23 percent from three this year he is up to 79 percent from the line weirdly enough which if he was still like a 60 percent free throw shooter on top of this it would Mm -hmm. be so much worse that's that's exactly like when you look at his true shooting like you expect it to be lower than it is but then it's like oh well he actually improved his free throw shooting by a lot in terms of some of the advanced metrics um and and there's you really can't quantify like experience but in terms of like wind shares box plus minus things like that he's basically like on pace for what he was in his second nba season um which is i mean if you remember russell was really not that good until like his third or fourth year just because he was kind of such a reckless Uh inefficient player so he's kind of regressed back to where he was as a 20 year old um, and when you just compare those two, Russ and, and CP head to head, Chris Paul has a four percentage point better field goal percentage. He is 13 percentage points better from three. He's 10 percentage points better from the line. He is 16 points better in terms of offensive rating, uh, plus 2.9 win shares. And his usage rate is 11 percentage points lower than Westbrook's. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just all. Like it's just kind of all on Harden, I think. Or I mean, it, like, how much? Where do you want to proportion like, blame here? Because it, it clearly was Harden's well, uh, call. I think that, he also deserves some credit for them still being good. Sure. I mean, yeah, that's what that's what makes it so complicated. Is it, like the by far the only reason this team's relevant is James Harden. Yet he's the only reason why they have Russell Westbrook on the team and not Chris Paul. And I mean, we've all worked with people who annoy us so i i get it to like a certain extent where you're just like man i'm so sick of this old guy like telling me how to do stuff like i i get it but 
was it, how did it get so bad that he, or did he just delude himself into thinking that Russ might be an upgrade? Like, how did he get so I, bad that he needed Chris Paul to get out of town? That's something that I think we all wanted to know, and I kind of <laughs> hoped it would come out, and really it never did, right? Yeah, I mean, it, like, I think we always thought we would get this about Kyrie, too. Like, how many times did you hear this summer, well, you just wait till the stories start trickling out? And they never really did, right? Like, you'd hear little things every now and then, but there was never the definitive, here's why Kyrie wanted out of Boston. And we never, we never really got the, here's why James Harden wanted Chris Paul out either. I want to, I need from KD, I need a, here's why I wanted to play with Kyrie. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that one still doesn't make any sense to me. Either. Here's why I'm arguing with Kendrick Perkins on Twitter. Um, do you think in his heart of hearts, Harden would admit that he'd rather have Chris Paul, like you'd rather just fight through whatever off the court issues you have, or is like is Russ such a cool guy that it's worth it for him to play so much worse? <laughs> the coolest guy. I mean, we all saw how he looked before that that Thunder game. Really cool. Um, yeah, no, I I I think that he probably. I mean, he had to have just hated Chris Paul that much, and I think he's definitely probably also disappointed in how bad Westbrook's been and. Like NBA stars are the worst evaluators of NBA talent that there is. Basically, we've that's, seen that's this in many, many uh, different scenarios. So I'm sure Russ had a completely off base uh, perspective of how good Westbrook was going to be. Uh, so I think he's probably upset at Westbrook now too, and I wouldn't be surprised if. <laughs> I mean, he probably also doesn't understand how impossible to trade Westbrook is. Right yeah, that's now. the other so, thing. What and um, how impossible it was to trade Paul too? It's like. I'm sure he would have rather played with Paul George, but that just wasn't going to happen. Do you think, and I, I've thought this was sort of trending this way ever since Tillman Fertitta bought the Rockets, but I feel like eventually Harden might request a trade, and I think Daryl Morey is welcoming the day that he is either fired or joins another organization. And so I think, like, I, I don't know if it's going to be within the next 365 days but fairly close to that timeline, it's just going to be Russ with this Rockets team and Harden's going to be somewhere else because there's just – now that they have Russ, like that, it's a poison pill contract. Like You can't really build a contender with him on the roster. So the only way for Harden to get onto a contender is to go to another team. I think – Weirdly, D'Antoni, Mori, and Harden are like all in the same position yes, at all, their respective jobs. Yeah. <laughs> like they all are just like, hey, if I if I get fired or traded, yeah. whatever, like I don't love, care. I'd love, I'd love a fresh start. We missed our opportunity. <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah, Harden's in such a unique spot because you know he is the face of that team, but at the same time, I, I don't feel like he's ever gone out of his way to the same degree that like Westbrook did in OKC. You know, like Westbrook made it very clear that he was OKC's guy, and Harden just by by the fact that he's an MVP and is averaging 38 points a game. Like, he just is Houston's guy, obviously. But I guess I, I what I'm saying is I don't feel like he has, like, that same oh, he connection. Yeah, he doesn't have any real allegiance to right. Houston. I mean, I think he just wants to go where it's best for him. Yes. And that is increasingly I think not looking right. like Houston. I think he's waiting for that opportunity, kind of in the same way that Towns probably is in Minnesota, where... The, you know, the, if you know, Harden's not a free agent this summer, so we're not talking about it. Towns isn't a free agent until like 2028 or whatever, so we're not talking about it. But I think they're both waiting for like the acceptable time right. to finally just like, like I don't think Harden's <laughs> ever, Harden's not going to go like full Antonio Brown and do anything like that. But I think, I think he could quietly float it out there in the same way that Paul George quietly floated it out there, you know. And, well, and I think we, we basically know uh, that he told Maury like, it's either him or me with CP, right. which is an easy call. But uh, 
you know, I think once he spots where that landing spot is that, like, makes a lot of sense, Mm -hmm. I think that's where he might bring it up. But, um, you know, Maury, if you're going to trade Harden, you might as well trade yourself, too. Like, I mean, like he's not going to want to stick around once Harden's gone. So I'm not sure when it uh, ends. But, I mean, the Rockets... The Rockets might catch the uh, Pistons within the next two years or so. The eventual Harden deal could be could that, be very interesting. I don't be know because he's such an he like we talk about guys like Clay Thompson and just how easy they are to plug into a situation like Harden. Once he's on your team, that's like now it's a James Harden team. And it, but are there teams that wouldn't want that? You know, like if you're if and this wouldn't really be feasible. But if you're Memphis, like, do you want James Harden to come in and all of a sudden Morant's just an afterthought? You know, I think it, he's it's such a Harden team that in, that if you have another guy or two who you feel really good about, especially if they're young, I think you worry that maybe Harden stunts that. You know, where I think the perfect fit would be uh, for for some funny ways and some uh, basketball ways would be Miami. Like if you could go Harden, uh, Butler, Bam as your big three, like then all of a sudden you're immediately a win the NBA Finals type of team. I don't know uh, if you can make that deal without Bam though. That's the thing. Well, yeah, I mean we'll we'll see um, how Tyler Hero's yeah. stock develops. Well, he's untouchable, and... so you can't. He's not being <laughs> yeah. traded. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, untouchable. I mean, well, so when? Gosh, when? When is uh? When's Harden a free agent? Uh, I'm looking it up as we speak. I I don't think I've ever even Googled his contract. Like, because I think it I just don't it's think never it's come up that far out. But I, I could be totally wrong about that. I mean, it has to be coming up somewhere. Right? He is one of those guys that seems to have signed extensions before he's up. So you right. like, when's the last time we've talked about him even being available? Yeah, he just keeps getting maxed um, whenever he can. So he, yeah, I mean, he's player option for 22, 23. So he's under contract for two more years okay. on top of this current year. Yeah, that definitely makes it tough. Um, but like, what do you think about him in South Beach? Is that just? Is, is, oh, would, I think it makes sense. I mean, they have the contracts they can stack. But the thing is, those contracts run out soon, so you, you that deal would have to come sooner than later. And I still don't see this happening this year. No, um, I think they're they're good enough. I mean, they're one game out of second place in the West right now. Yeah, I guess. What would it take? I think Maury Maury actually might be gone before Harden's gone. And uh, D'Antoni certainly will be gone before Harden's gone. Yeah, I mean, there are teams, if if he ever became available, there are 20-plus teams that would make an offer easily. Right. I mean, I think you look at a team like, I don't know, Phoenix, you know, has, you know, you still have like the eight well, piece, I, things like that. Yeah, I mean, the Knicks could trade all their great young players. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. I mean, you get that they have tradable contracts. Harden so, would be. Do you do, you do him for Randall straight up? <laughs> Who says no? <sighs> well... New Orleans has tradable pieces. Picks. OKC has a cache of picks. That's the other thing is, if you're Houston, you're under no obligation. We always hear like, well, they don't have to trade him if you ask out. They always end up trading him because it right. becomes untenable, especially right. if they have multiple years left. You're not going to go through a three-year standoff between you and your and, star players. And James Harden, I don't think, would have any issue making it untenable. I think uh, No, I think it's when, already untenable when, it came, when he's not asking when it comes to. When it comes to him wanting out, I don't think right. it'll be tenable. Well, the point is, if he's not expiring, you're not 
maybe you end up being kind of obligated in a roundabout way to trade him, but you're not obligated to trade him to where he wants to go. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, a team like New Orleans was kind of up against it with Davis, you know, as the contract came down, like with, with two and a half years plus the player option, you're not under that same obligation. So I don't know, like, like I said, OKC and New Orleans are the two teams that have all the draft capital. And I think, you know, barring a godfather offer of multiple really good players, which kind of clears out the reason that you'd want to bring West, uh, Harden in in the first place, one of those two teams, like, if you can cash all your chips in on a guy like Harden, I don't know that you're ultimately going to do much better. Right. Yeah, I mean, that would be, both of those would be pretty fascinating. Uh, I don't think those would be spots where he would love the idea of re-upping. Um, no. And he and the fact that he's got that player option is really it ups his leverage quite a bit because mm-hmm. he can just tell them a year in advance like I'm not I'm going to decline my player option. So I think there are some teams that would say it's worth like let's say this happens this time next year. There are teams that would be like a year and a half is still worth it. We'll just yeah. roll that dice. Like it's James Harden. Yeah, I mean you just plug him onto any like 42 win team and all of a sudden you're a finals contender i mean like if you took him off of this rockets team they wouldn't be a 42 win team they'd be like a 32 win team tops i feel like there's at some point we're gonna get like a warriors are monitoring james harden (laughs) report from somebody that's one where (laughs) i don't know if they would actually do it i think they would do it that's just he man i don't know how you couldn't do it it's james harden yeah but it's like they signed De- they signed D'Angelo Russell. He's just such a the James Harden offense is the exact opposite of yep. Steve Kerr's offense. <laughs> yeah, I think he's jumped the shark too in terms of like I don't think there's a team that's like well we'll we'll make him fit into us like he's he's gone rogue for far well, too like long the, now. That that's why I thought the Heat would be interesting because I could see Spo like being the closest of the realistic destinations to actually maybe reeling him in slightly yeah. just that um, organization i think yeah right uh and especially if he had good enough players around him you might be able to sort of talk him into dialing it back a little bit but i mean the fact is the the james harden show really works uh really well at least in the regular season and then in the postseason i don't necessarily think he would hate dialing it back a little bit if it meant winning some games because that's right. where that's where he just you get gassed when you're tasked with creating all the shots in the against playoff level defenses like that's where it kind of becomes a a tough formula for success and if you have a guy like Jimmy Butler next to you or you have uh you know Zion and whoever else next to you then it then it could, could become easier. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about some futures before we get out of here. Uh, looking at the DraftKings sportsbook, we, we've talked kind of on and off about a lot of these, um, and I, I hit on a few of them with with Ben Zweiman on the pod last week. Giannis still the heavy favorite for MVP. Not a lot to talk about there. Um, Morant even is now an even heavier Rookie of the Year favorite than he was when I looked at these on Thursday. Um, and I, again, I, I dove into that pretty deeply with with Ben last week. But are there any any values on this Rookie of the Year? page that jump out to you at all i mean zion was at well, plus 1000 on thursday and now he's down to plus 17 well why not just uh why not bet like i don't know a grand on morant and then like 50 bucks on zion yeah and it's just, gonna be one or the other like how does that not cash i mean if if ja like how many more games would ja have to play to have it locked up 
That's a good question. And that, that number dwindles week by week. You yeah. know, it's like if he got hurt tomorrow, he would become in serious jeopardy. But if, if as long as he plays until the end of February, he pro- that's probably enough. I mean, I think so. I think I think if he plays through February, it's his and only just a historic Zion run starting hopefully in like a week or two would yeah. be able to maybe steal it. But I mean, the fact that Jaws even on the board at this point, I think, is, is a potential gift because, you know, it, it would kind of remind me. So, like, let's just factor Zion out of this. You could you could tack him onto that bet for like 50 bucks and, and cover your bases. But like if Ja got hurt today. I still think there are people that would vote for him over Kendrick Nunn if Kendrick Nunn played the rest of the year or whoever you want to say is like second place right now. Mm. Like, because Jazz just well, been so good. The fact that RJ Barrett is second in the odds says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and he's tied with Nunn. They're both at plus 1,000. Right. So I, I, I think you bang that 335. And like, if you get that at 335 right now and a month from now he's healthy, I mean, you're just doing cartwheels. I mean, that's, that's a big one. Yeah. I mean, that would be bet 1,000 to win 1,300. Um, I, I'm with you on that. I, I think it's pretty clearly Morant. I, there is kind of this outside chance. I think you would need you'd need Morant to get hurt, and then you'd need Zion to come back and play 40 plus games and look like he did in the preseason. And you probably need that to affect the Pelicans winning and right. get like the seven or the eight. And all of a sudden, he has that narrative. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're to, the Pelicans have played like 40 games already. You know, like what's the best case scenario for Zion? He plays 35 games. You know, like he's probably not playing back to backs. He's probably getting other random rest days. And like, there's, and I don't know, is there like a fifty percent chance he re-injures something? Yeah, right. <laughs> they played exactly forty-one games going into Tuesday night. So, and it's just, it's. I think the best case scenario right now, based on some shaky-ish reporting, would be Thursday. I think against Utah, and nobody's confirmed that other than I think like one serious XM reporter mentioned it. So, and like I said, if he comes back, he's not going to play all forty games the rest of the year. I think that's completely off the table. Um, most improved player is really interesting. And this is another one, you know, Ben and I hit on, uh, in depth, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it because there are so many names, even as you scroll into like the 15th to 20th best odds, like a lot of guys who would be maybe in the top three or five and a lot of years are, are kind of further down this year. Yeah, I, I think Luca, maybe, maybe just Luca at plus 130 or, Luca and Bam, and then I think you have your bases covered. Like if it's going to a second year player, it's going to Luca. Mm-hmm. If it's going to a third year player, I think it's going to Bam. And I just don't really see. I know that Devontae Graham's sitting there at plus one thirty, and I know that he's had a like he would win most surprising year probably. Yeah, but when you're talking about one like Graham's a second year guy, right? Yeah, he also like, he almost doesn't have a first year to improve on. Yeah, if you're comparing two second year guys, and one is Devontae Graham having Devontae Graham's year and one is Luka Doncic going from rookie of the year to MVP candidate yeah. then it's like well of course you're voting for Doncic by that logic you should like Blake Griffin should have won most improved player his yeah. second year <laughs> right right, you know? right right yeah I mean because like, Graham did play but he, he was not a meaningful contributor like, by any means Bam is a much more like traditional most improved player candidate to me because it's it's his third year and you know he he gets this <clears throat> much more responsibility and he handles it way better than even like people that were highest on him thought he would he all of a sudden looks like this you know building block big man uh you know ingram there's a case there for sure too uh i just i think it's i think it's Doncic. i don't really think we should overthink it right if you go from being like i don't know the 20th best player to the 
third best player or fourth best player like mm-hmm. that is just such a gigantic level of improvement versus going from being like the 120th best player yeah. to like the 40th best player yeah i mean the recent voting i think says it will be Doncic, and there's a reason he's you know kind of the heavy favorite alongside and graham pe- people want to <clears throat> give luka Doncic some hardware yes because he's not going to get the mvp most likely so yeah. people want to be like well yeah vote for him here if you if you don't like Doncic for whatever reason i think there's there is something to be said for maybe putting like 50 on Adebayo, 50 on Shea, 50 on Ingram. Like the fact that Brandon Ingram is at plus 2,000, like he would he would run away with this award in most years. And he is plus 2,000. Like I, I really like those odds. I mean, even if you're just hedging this fictional Doncic injury or something like that, you know, because mm-hmm. I think especially if the Pelicans play like even 500 basketball the rest of the way. I think that'll help Ingram because he has not slowed down at all, even even though they've been up and down and, and mostly down. I think people at the end of the year will look at his numbers and be like, you know, if if it's not Luca, I think he'll be as good of a candidate as anyone. Yeah, I don't ha- I don't hate the idea of just sprinkling a little bit on those guys just to hedge mm-hmm. against a Doncic injury. Uh, I mean, if he got hurt, I mean, if he missed even yep. like twenty five games, he might not get it. So that makes some sense. Um, DraftKings is offering updated win totals for two teams: the Lakers and the Knicks. You can now you can now get the Knicks, who I believe were twenty eight or twenty nine and a half wins when we did over unders back in September. That's been bumped down to twenty three and a half wins. Man, can't believe the Knicks under hit again. Yeah, they've already they've already <laughs> shaved like six wins off of it. We're not even to the halfway point for them, so they're forty games in and they are eleven and twenty nine. It's, um, it's a good number. I well, so that having a new coach kind of you know if it was Fizdale locked in for the whole season I think you bang the under um I think it's going to be tough for them to get off of like even even Morris like 15 mil mm-hmm. it's tough to find the magic salary for that on some of these good teams so it's it's not a lock that they unload a significant amount of veterans at the deadline yeah, I, I think I'd probably still go slight under on that. But I mean, know, seven you, of their wins have come in the last month. They were four and twenty at one point, <laughs> so they were on pace for a considerably worse season until well, the Fisdale firing. And how heavily do you think they will be in on the tank of Palooza when we get to the final month? Will they be sort of leaders of the pack, or will they be beating some of those teams that are tanking hard? I think right now I don't even know if the tank is going to be on. Like, who are you tanking for? I don't. <laughs> it's true. Does the, does the average NBA fan even know like the projected number one, two, or three That's pick true. right now? Like everybody knew about Zion by this time last year for sure. This and everybody is a, knew. This is a really really bad draft. It's gotten even worse in my mind. I think since we talked about it a couple of weeks. I really ago. thought Edwards would be better because yeah, it, it, the fact that Edwards is starting to look riskier and riskier is pretty concerning. I mean. When a guy who shoots like 23% from three uh, is the favorite to go number one overall, that's, and he's a point guard. That's I, don't, I don't use the term Ben McLemore lightly, but there's, uh, I'm getting some Ben McLemore vibes here. Not oh, by the way they play, Edwards, but just by the was, way his... I was talking about ball. ball oh, well, that too, yeah. But yeah, like, like that's... I think he's got a higher motor than McLemore. Yeah, of course. But, Different players, but just sure. in terms of how they were viewed right. stock-wise right. where... Ben McElmore did very little at Kansas. Like once every two weeks, he would have like a 25-point game, and he'd be like, this is why we love this guy. But, he, but just by default, he ended up going where he went because there was nobody better. And, and I think Edwards, I would still, I, I'm much higher on Edwards than I was McElmore, but it feels like it's going to be that kind of class. 
I think that was was that the Otto Porter year, where even he was like not the not your typical number three overall pick. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember uh, Porter being a pretty shaky number three overall pick. Yeah, so 2013 was yeah Bennett, Oladipo, Porter, Zeller, Len, Noel, Macklemore, KCP, Burke, McCollum, top ten. I don't remember anyone feeling like even Nerlens Noel had torn his ACL. Yeah, wasn't even good, that good before. Still went six. Count. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah, I think it's – and that was – again, we've talked about this draft a ton of times. That was the Giannis Gobert draft. So th- there will be good players that come out of this draft. I, I just don't know where they're going to be. I mean, I might – honestly, I might just take, like, whoever the best European guy is. Like, it's, it's <laughs> and there just, are a lot this year. It's just so uninspired in terms of yep. the uh, American prospects in this draft. Like, they, they all have seemingly more flaws than strengths. And mm-hmm. – a lot of them have those sort of red flags that you really don't want. Like the, well, I don't really know how much he cares. I don't really know how much he's yeah. going to try. <laughs> like, let's take him first overall. That typically goes well. <laughs> um, so the other one is the Lakers. Uh, their odds are now up to 59 and a half wins. They're on pace for 67, 68. I think, I think eventually that'll slow down. Although I keep saying that and they keep reeling off wins. Like they, they I mean, they blew out LKC the other night with no LeBron, no Davis, I do think LeBron's workload and, and Davis's workload to some degree will catch up to them. They're and gonna I mean they're gonna have the one seed wrapped up with like a week or two to go, probably. So I I, I would bet them as the one seed, but the the only reason that it's not a bigger like runaway than it is right now is because your Utah Jazz have won fourteen out of fifteen. My Denver Utah was red hot before true. that. Like for being thirty three and seven, they only have a five and a half game lead on two really good mm-hmm. teams. You know, the Clippers are still in it, the Rockets are in it, like the Lakers should get the one seed, but they also lost four games in a row last month. You know, like they're capable of, of kind of falling into a rut. I still think that just their pace, uh, although, uh, I mean, I think their schedule is a lot harder yes. uh, than it has been to date. So yeah, that's I, was, a, I think that's a stay away. Their schedule is fairly soft for the next like few weeks, but I, I was looking at that last night. They have they have a couple really rough stretches, kind of kind of similar stretches later in the year where. I mean, they have one where it goes in order: Pelicans, Sixers, Bucks, Clippers, Nets, Rockets, Nuggets, Jazz, Jazz. Wow, that's a really, really tough stretch, and that's March first through March eighteenth. So you're playing all those games in less than three weeks. So you might go like five and five during that. Yeah, yeah, and that, and to their credit, they've beat all the teams they should beat, and that's kind of the key to to racking up these kind of seasons. But I think I would go slightly under. I think they're a fifty-seven, fifty-eight win team that probably takes their foot off the gas a little bit at the end. Like, there's just no. LeBron has shown no, like no interest really in gunning for like a great regular season record. They're not going to go seventy four and eight. So at that point, what are you even playing for? Like, there's there's not going to be a record on the line here. Um, so I, I think I would still go under on fifty nine and a half. The Sixers are still plus two seventy five to win the East, plus one seventy five to win the division, despite the fact that they've played pretty terribly. Um, they they're kind of the Clippers of the East, but they've been even worse. I think. They, by virtue of how the East breaks down, they can't really fall further than six, but that's where they are right now. And it doesn't seem like people care. Like Vegas certainly doesn't care. I mean, they've, they've kind of adjusted the odds slightly, but people aren't really moving off the Sixers despite how they're playing. I think the bet that I sort of like with the Sixers is the fact that Vegas isn't moving off of this at all is I kind of want to see the playoff seating shake out and if they're a big enough of a favorite, I might take them getting beat. Like, like if they have, say, the Raptors or the Heat, 
and they are on the road, like if they're the five seed, say, against the four seed uh, of one of those teams, I would like betting the Raptors or betting the Heat if it's uh, good enough odds just because I think um, – I like I almost like the Sixers more if they get like the Bucks, <laughs> then, then like I could see them just totally looking past one of these uh, – really solid teams and you know we've seen how bad they are on the road um i think they built this team specifically with Giannis Antetokounmpo in mind but didn't really think they would ever get challenged by a non-bucks team in the eastern conference playoffs they, they did not build this team to stop Tyler Hero no, no. <laughs> um they, they did not build this team to to beat a zone uh so yeah i mean i i don't think that those odds are good enough to bet really Mm-mm. um i i am intrigued by this uh title odds one i want to ask you would you rather bet the bucks plus 300 to win it all or the east plus 185 to win it all what's better value Whew. um so we should say it's west minus 230 east plus 185 which which is interesting in its own right bucks lakers and clippers are all at plus 300 to lead it I think I would take the Bucks, and I'm I'm pretty low. I I think in general, especially in this state, on on the Bucks, I think this is going to play out very similarly to last year. Whether it's in the East Finals or in the actual Finals, I think they're just one elite piece short. Even though they have the best overall piece in Giannis, um, I kind of I like, but I like the Lakers and the Clippers more. I think the Lakers and the Clippers beat Philly, Toronto, Miami, Boston, whoever. I think the Bucks are the hardest matchup for well, those two. I see, teams. that's so. I think the Sixers are the hardest matchup for the Bucks, and I think true. Bucks, but I think the Bucks are the hardest matchup for the Lakers, and right, like, uh, like if the Bucks, if I knew the Bucks were going to the finals, I would really bang them uh, against whoever comes out of the West. Like, I think that they are just a terrible matchup for yeah. both West teams that we expect to have a chance. And then, so like, just getting them at plus three hundred, yep. to me is pretty enticing. I think a Sixers Lakers finals would play really well for the Lakers. I think they're that roster is constructed to kind of counter Philly, even if the talent isn't as good at the top. I, I think it would be a lot like uh, Miami OKC 2012, where the aggregate talent on OKC was probably better, but those guys weren't ready. It was the first finals for pretty much everybody. You know, Horford, I guess, is, has some deep playoff experience, but. I think it would feel like even though one team has the more talent, like the Lakers just have the experience and they have the, like I, I could see Philly coming out and winning game one like OKC did and then Miami won the next four. You know, I, I think I think if you're Miami or if you're LA this year, either LA team, you want to see Boston, Philly. Um, so I, I'm with you on the Lakers. I think the Lakers would beat the Sixers. Uh, I think the Sixers are a pretty good matchup for clippers though better matchup yeah they don't the clippers have nobody at all that could even come close to checking Embiid. i mean would they have to throw zubach out there and just be a mercenary for half the game i mean harold like i, I think harold would, would give it a shot him. but I mean, like harold even harold is um, not i mean you could you can only be and when you're that height you can only do so much even though the effort would be there part of the problem with the sixers too is can Joel Embiid hold up physically for to win sixteen playoff games? Like that's somebody mentioned this on a pod last week. Totally forgot he missed a game in the Raptors series. Yeah, I mean he, he like that, that was I just that, that, that never like gets mentioned. Weird, like, yeah, was, wasn't that like mono or something? Um, I, uh, I don't even know if it was like a physical injury, but um, like yeah, he I just when they get 
Christmas Day, Joel Embiid, they're going to be really, really tough for anyone to beat. But he, there's just no evidence that he can hold up for, for that type of a grind. And they're going to need him once they get – honestly, they might need him like 33, 34 minutes a game in, in every single series they're in. So uh, I think that the Sixers match up pretty well with the Clippers on paper, but I think the Clippers are more suited to, to mm-hmm. win 16 games in the playoffs. Okay, so I'll ask you the same question. We'll end on this that, I, that I've asked you many times this year. How many teams can legitimately win the title right now? Okay. Um, I'd like you to name those teams, yes, please. I, I will. Uh, so, Bucks, Lakers, Clippers. Yep. Um, Sixers. And. I know you want to say Utah. <laughs> no, um, I'm debating. I, I'm debating whether to leave it at just those four or whether to include the Celtics. Okay. Uh, I th- think I'm going to include the Celtics. So the Celtics are the team I I just couldn't see beating the Lakers or the Clippers. Um, you know I think the the Marcus Smart factor is the reason why i included them where he's just such a pain in the ass that like he he just inevitably steals one game in every playoff series he plays in and uh you know they have the they have the wings to sure. kind of outwing those teams a little bit um and that you know their their lack of size would not be an issue really against the the clippers uh, they, you know, the South, the the Lakers are a tough matchup for them for sure. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't rule them out necessarily in a in a Clippers yeah. matchup. I think getting them getting to the finals is going to be the big the big if issue. They, for if them they can add a, a decent piece, like probably a center, uh, I don't even know who that would be. But if they can add somebody at the deadline, that would maybe clinch it for me. But right right now, I think they're closer to the Miami Toronto sure. group than they are the Bucks at the top of the East. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, they're, you know, they're they're third in net rating, and they've had not the greatest injury luck. Like, no. so I mean, it, I think that it, they deserve yeah a decent amount of credit. They, those guys have all been other than mm-hmm. Kemba. Like, it's not like Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum are going to be afraid of the moment at all. Yeah. even even as young as they are. Um, so I, I'll include them, but I mean, really, the, to me, there's a couple tiers. There's the Bucks, Lakers, Clippers, then. I think the Sixers yeah. are in a lower tier, and then the Celtics are in another tier below that. All right, fair enough. I will leave you uh, with a Josh Jackson G League watch update. Um, he's played 22 games for the Memphis Hustle. He is averaging 21 points, 7.8 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 1.6 steals, 1.3 blocks, and shooting 45, 38, 64. Don't call it a year, comeback. So keep an eye out. He'll be back. <laughs> Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.